All right, glad that you're here today. I just saw for some that are online that I think that maybe some of our our internet isn't working today. I'm not sure on some of the some of the platforms, but just so you know that, I learned something really important this morning. Always before I preach, I take a cough drop so that it helps me because you know I always have a little cough, not because of COVID. I've always done that because I strain my voice when I preach sometimes. Well, today I did that. It was menthol, and it went right into my eyes. So do not take a cough, a menthol cough drop, cough drop inside your mask. It is not a good idea. I can tell you that right now. I can't see any of you, but I, I may later. This morning we're talking about Go United. Boy, that is quite a subject for today, isn't it? Because we are in a world, in a city, and in a country that's not very united at all. This may be the most disunity we have seen in ages. When we all know there were the 60s that there were issues and there are always things that pop up, but these days we have so many things to have issues about, to disagree with, and we have more ways to disagree than we have ever had in the history of mankind we have right now. I think about some of those things. I mean, do we do we keep our statues or do we tear our statues down or do we get new statues? And if we do get new statues, do they all wear masks? You know, there are all these things. And then when you think about the, the mask, I mean, do, do, we, do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? Where do we wear the mask? And all these things go on with folks. Do we vaccinate our children just normally or do we, do we want the new COVID vaccine if there is one or do we say, oh no, I don't want that at all. And all these opinions are going around and some days you may think one thing and the next day you think something else or maybe even five minutes later you think something different than what you just thought just a minute ago or five minutes ago. And all these things swirl around and there is so much disunity over these things. You know, I am so old. I remember back to 2019 when people and churches of Christ, they had controversies over things like instrumental music and women's roles. You remember when those used to be the things people talk about? But now we talk about these other things, not just us, everybody in our culture, even in other nations talk about these things. And all these things have come to a head. And probably, as I said, some of these little key words today, these trigger words like statues and masks and those types of things, vaccine, probably some of those things have already made you a little bit angry this morning because just thinking about whichever side you're on, you're ready to fight because it seems like everybody is ready to fight about these things. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 17, not too long before he died. He, he knew what was coming, and so he's going to pray in John 17, verses 20 through 23, a really strong prayer. He says, my prayer is not just for them alone, not just for the apostles. He said, I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, like God and Jesus, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now hear this part if you didn't hear the rest. Tune into this. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you hear what he's saying there? Then the world will know when my people are united. 
I wish I could do more to make the whole world happy. You know, in the old days, it was I'd like to buy the world a Coke, and that would bring peace and harmony if they all could drink Coca-Cola, right? And now we thought that would do it. But that's not what does it, obviously. I wish I could make the world happy. I wish everybody would get along. I wish nation to nation would get along. I wish this nation would get along. What is most important is that God's people get along. And God's people are getting along. This is not some kind of sermon to say there's some kind of big problem. That's not what I mean at all as I I speak about this this morning. But I say in general, there are problems in our nation and we know it. But it's that idea of unity. And he says, they're going to know you're unified. They're going to know that I'm real and that I'm with the Father and that we're one when they see it in fellow Christians. That's how they'll know. But you know what I am totally convinced of is that the world wants to divide us. The world has always wanted to divide us. They've always wanted to divide Christians. You can call it whatever you want to. The devil wants to divide us. Sin wants to divide us. Evil wants to divide us. I can tell you, the world wants to divide us. The world would like us to go away. Sometimes we may cramp their style because we have a different set of morals or because we have a different set of beliefs or because we want something different or have different goals and it would be just easier, they think, if we just weren't here. Well, that's just the way it is. I am convinced that right now people want to divide us. There is no doubt about it. It's not just religious people that say that that there is division that is desired by others. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to what God wants, and the world will only know that know Jesus if we are unified. You know, that's so interesting that he says that, that phrase, then the world will know when they have unity, then the world will know about Jesus. So sometimes we think, oh, our, our leading point sometimes is how we do our worship service. Oh, we take the Lord's Supper every Sunday, we sing a cappella, whatever it is, and we think, oh, then that's what makes us distinctive. And there are even books written about the distinctiveness of the church. Let me tell you what the distinctiveness of the kingdom of God is. Unity. Unity. And then they will know that you have sent me. Now, I'm not saying those other things aren't important. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is what is important is that we are unified, just like the Father and the Son are unified, and that people see that so that they'll know Jesus. I loved what Tim said this morning whenever he was in Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. He said he had four points. They took about five minutes each. Well, hey, I'm the preacher, and I'm going to preach that, so I've got about five minutes each, right? So I'm okay with that. Paul says, and this passage is so powerful, and I'm glad he read it this morning. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, and there is one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called There is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, there is one God and Father of all, who is over all, and he is through all, and he is in all. And then that kicker verse right at the end, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Wow, that's a powerful passage. You know, Whenever we see this, this is what I would call the keys to unity. I'm over here referring to my monitor over to the side that we kind of have built up here because I have trouble seeing these, these monitors down here sometimes because I'm farther back on the stage. But 
These are what I would call the keys to unity. Not just me, lots of people call them the keys to unity. And I hope today that you will study this passage, that you'll read it, that you will memorize it, that you will take it home and and have Siri read it to you every morning. This is as important of a passage as in the Bible. You're saying, are the others not important? No, they're all important. But this one's really important, especially for the days that we go through right now. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 7, the first thing he says is be humble. You know what that means, to be humble? I may be wrong. I don't like that. Because I like to be right. And usually, before I do anything, I have researched it. It's kind of funny. Before we go to a restaurant, before we go on a vacation or anywhere, I have read every review there is to read about it. I want to be right. But the Bible says that if you're going to have unity, you've got to be humble. I may be wrong, so I have to be humble. When my mother was such a sweet woman and a wonderful woman, and and I loved my mother, I love my mother, even though she's passed. But somewhere along the line, she, as you would expect, she wanted to be the best mother-in-law she could be. And so she always remembered Barbara's June 22nd birthday. And she would talk to people. We heard her talking to people about how Barbara's birthday was June 22nd. And, you know, she was going to get her a gift or a card or whatever. Always, And she was always excited about that and excited about Barbara's birthday. Well, the issue is that Barbara's birthday is actually June 25th. And so it's only three days different, not a big deal. But one day we, we happened to be at my mom in her little trailer and we happened to be there just at the right moment when it seemed like it was appropriate to say to my mother, well, you know, Barbara's birthday is not June 22nd. Yes, it is. Barbara, Barbara's sitting right there. I said, no, her birthday's June 25th. No, it's not. I said, no, Barbara's birthday really is June 25th. I've been giving her things on June 22nd. Well, I know, but it's really June 20th. It's not. And Barbara's just silent through this. I said, Barbara, tell my mother, when is your birthday? She doesn't want to get in the middle of it, but finally she says, June 25th. No, it's not. So I said, prove to her, Barbara, that your birthday is June 25th. So Barbara gets out her driver's license, takes it over to her, and shows my mother her driver's license. It said that she was born on June 25th. My mother looks at it and goes, well, it's wrong. You know that idea, right? And it was our joke for as long as she lived. It was just funny we had. You can be so confident and be so wrong. So when it comes to unity, be humble. Be humble. And then he says another thing that's really good here. Be gentle. It's okay to be passionate. But be gentle. Wow, that one's tough for me too because I am, a, I am an extremely gentle person. I, I, it's hard for me to kill a bug. I mean, I'm a gentle person until I get worked up. Probably like a lot of people, right? You're gentle until you get worked up. And it says in Proverbs 15, 1, just makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Not just a word spoken, but also a word typed stirs up anger just makes sense so if i'm a christian and i'm worried about the kingdom of god and i'm worried about the outsiders because of what the kingdom of god looks like and i'm worried about my brothers and sisters on the inside then what's important for me to do is to be humble and to be gentle even when i disagree 
Well, those aren't the only keys to unity. There's more in that passage in Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. And here's one of them. He says this phrase, boy, this is a tough one. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Whew, that's a tough one, isn't it? You know, we talk so much about patience. Patience almost doesn't mean very much to us anymore because we talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, right? I mean, even Amazon will tell you to be patient. We may have Lysol again someday. I mean, that's basically what it says on their website. You know, everything is about patience and be patient. Be patient with your husband. Be patient with your wife. Be patient with your kids. And sometimes we just wear the word out. Although it's still such a strong word, we wear it out. So I want us to focus on the words right next to it, bearing with one another. You know what he's saying when he says bearing with one another? He's saying it won't always be easy. Because when I bear with someone, it's obviously much more difficult. And if I'm patient and I'm bearing with someone, then that means it takes time. Literally what the word means, when you go back to the original language and you see what Paul was saying here, what he was saying was endure. Be persistent. Keep going when you want to quit. And so the key to unity for a church, for a congregation, for the kingdom of God as a whole, would be for a nation as well, but I'm not speaking to the whole nation. I'm saying for the kingdom of God, what is important is that we be patient with each other, bearing with each other, literally picking each other up sometimes, holding my tongue when I want to speak, or my fingers when I want to type, bearing with one another, because this road will not be easy. Other people are not as smart as I am, right? That's what we think. And so he says, keep working at it, persist with others. And then he has another key to unity here. And if those were hard enough, this one's even worse. Make every effort to keep the peace. Yep, he said every effort. You know, I would have been really happy if he would have said, put out some effort to keep peace here. I would have been okay with that. At least try. I would have been okay if he would have said, hey, you go an extra mile, okay? Don't just go one mile, you go two miles to keep the peace. Yet whenever he's talking about the kingdom of God, what he says, you make Every effort to keep the peace. Those are strong words. And incidentally, these are not David words because David wouldn't have written it this way. These are holy, holy inspired words from the Holy Spirit given to Paul to write to us for generations and to live out. Make every effort to keep the peace. And you know that kicker verse that was at the end that we can't forget, verse 7, and Tim referred to it as well? Grace, like Jesus has given. You know what that means? If I, I, I need to give grace to other people, I, ex I accept and expect a lot of grace, but I've got to give grace to other people because perfection will only come in the next life. There is not a single one of us who gets it right every single time. You know, I have some people who have been great mentors in my life. 
that I have followed around, I have known, and let me tell you, before, in most cases, before I followed them, followed them around, I didn't know they ever thought a bad thing. I didn't know they ever said a bad thing. I didn't know they ever had a devious thought in their heads. But even though they're my mentors, one thing I learned is they were not perfect. Not a single one of them is perfect. I'm not. You're not. We are all on this journey together. And we are going to do and say and write some ridiculous things sometimes. And sometimes we're going to think immediately afterwards, why in the world did I do that? And other times we may not figure it out for a few decades. But we're on a journey and we keep moving forward and we keep moving toward the Lord and we keep being refined. We keep working at it until finally we'll get there. And so you might say, well, David, we, got, we have the Bible. I mean, the Bible is right here for us. Why in the world would it be so hard? Why is it, and we might think we're just perfect at this, why is it so hard for everybody else? What is the issue? Well, why is it that unity is so difficult? It's not that it hasn't always been difficult, but I think it's more difficult one-on-one -on -one now than it's ever been. And, and this is the reason it's because we know more about each other now than we have ever known before. If you have social media, before you either had to be on television or movies or write a book for anybody to know anything about you. Instead, you know, people would come to church and you just see that nice little man there that always brings his wife in and helps his wife and how sweet he is. You had no idea what his thoughts and attitudes were about various things. Or you saw that woman across the way, she dresses so nicely, I wonder who that is. Boy, isn't she sweet. I just always see her sweet smile. But if you knew what her attitude was on, you just take a list of whatever your hot buttons are. And if you knew what her attitudes were on even one of those that upset you, wow, we have never known that before. But now for, with social media, we share what we think on everything it seems like. And all of those things, while it can be wonderful social media and it should be a place where we can disagree in a Christian way, sometimes it doesn't turn out that way, but we just know more about each other than we have ever known before. And quite honestly, sometimes I would rather not know everything I know. I would rather just go off in bliss and be happy. Sometimes it's easier there's another reason why unity is so difficult. We are passionate because of our backgrounds. We have all been on journeys and we assume even if we grew up with someone and we are 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 years old that we know everything about them, but we don't always know. We don't always know why they're so passionate about what they, the, the causes that they stand up for, or they write about, or they, they advocate that may be very different than my causes. We may have no idea what their, what, what's happened in their family. We may not know about the abuse that has happened to them behind closed doors. We may not know the significance that abortion is to them. We may not know what special needs is to them. We may not know how they have struggled with racism in the past. We may not know how they've struggled or, or have issues of LGBTQ in their families. We may not know, even when we think we know. And so if we did know, we would probably respond in a different way. 
We might just leave it alone. We might talk privately. We might end up hugging if we're all Lysoled up, right? Rather than being angry with each other because we just don't know the backgrounds and the hidden things that all of us deal with. And I am certain others want to stir us up. There are people, there are friends of mine who are contrarians, who just like watching a good argument go. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know those folks? They like to say that one little thing so that everybody blows up in the room, and then they just step back and watch it happen. I know folks like that. I I guess I call them friends. But you know what I'm talking about. We also know that there are sometimes outside forces that try to do that. Right now, there is so much on the news about outside forces trying to do that very thing. Matter of fact, on our own web page, after when something was said, or our Facebook page about racism, it seems very definite that there was a bot that said some things that were, that were said to rile people up. And I can tell you why we know that for some other time. But thanks to Jana Miller who runs that page, she figured it out immediately and got it off of there. The idea was there are people that want to stir you up, whether it's for nationalistic reasons or international reasons or for political reasons or or church reasons. We just got to stay out of it. Well, I'll tell you, yesterday I was... Yesterday, things were working just like I liked. Barbara was outside working, and I was sitting on the couch. You know, I, that it, I, yeah, I felt guilty the whole time. But anyway, while I was sitting there, I'm looking at Facebook, and I'm scrolling, and I saw something on Facebook, and I started to write something, and I went, I can't write anything. And then I just scrolled past it, and I put my phone down, and I thought, you know what? I am going to say something. And I go back to it, and I start to say something. I thought... With one sentence, I can change the world to see this just like me. And then I went, David, what are you thinking? And I remember that old line from from the pregame of Monday Night Football. Come on, man. And I went outside and helped her. It was a better place to be for so many reasons, let me tell you. Just give it up sometimes. So, others sometimes want to stir us up. You know, you'll see on your screen today this picture of the the movie, The Breakfast Club, and I cannot officially endorse this movie for various reasons that you might expect, but I figure a whole lot of you at one point saw this movie. It came out in 1985. I will say I can't endorse it because these kids in the movie did not speak as if they had gone to Sunday school, okay? Okay. But I remember seeing this way back in high school, and I remember the impact it actually, or I guess I was a senior in high school, the impact it had on me at the time. And you, this is where some of the famous stars got their big break. Judd Law, who was in this movie, he's the tough guy. And all these kids get put in suspension together, and they're in the library for a day. And they, none of them like each other, none of them are similar. They all despise the others, and they all have preconceived ideas about the others. And Judd Law, the tough guy, He's there because he's been fighting. And you know why he's ready to use his fist? Because he's so angry because he's he's beat up by his dad at home. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows it. They just think he's a bully. And he is a bully, but he's a bully because he's been bullied by his own father. And then there's Emilio Estevez, who's the he's the the 
the athlete. He's a wrestler. He hates wrestling. And his father won't let him quit. And he's so upset and he's so mad. And things are being manifested in other ways. There's Molly Ringwald, who's the, the rich girl. And everybody thinks, oh, she can just buy or have anything she wants. Her parents are divorced. Her dad could care less about her, couldn't care less about her. And her mother is just preaching at her all the time. She hates her life because of what her parents, how her parents, she feels like, are treating her. And now she is acting out at school in those ways. There is, there's the nerd boy. I don't remember his name. He's the smart kid. He's the one who knows all the math. He's, the, he's smart and nerdy. And brought a gun to school to kill himself. Because he feels so isolated and so bullied. And so picked on. And who would have ever guessed it because he has the world in front of him. And then there's the other, the dark-haired woman there, Ali Sheedy. They find out during the day she is the, she is the weird one. All the way around, she's the weird one. And they find out that day that she wasn't even supposed to be at suspension, in suspension. She didn't even do anything wrong. But she is so lonely at home by, by parents and brothers and sisters that don't pay attention to her. She went to in-school suspension just so she could be around people. Well, you know what happened is they all started talking because at first they all hate each other and say crude and terrible things to each other. They get close to each other. And they only grew close by staying. They worked it out. If I'm one of these folks, whether I'm on Facebook or Twitter or in person, and somebody has a different view than I do about something, and I say, fine, I'm not your friend anymore. What? i got to work this out. I remember one time we had this, these two families in Brazil when we were missionaries. It was actually a family and a widow who got into this big argument with each other. I mean, it was, it was monumental. Neither one of them would come to church. And so Barbara and I went and, went and talked to the, the, the widow, and, and she said, well, I'll come, I'll come. But she was upset, and so we go and see the other family, and, and Barbara goes off in the kitchen with, with the, the wife while they're making some some snacks or something for us and I'm in the kitchen or in the living room with the man and I am praying like I've never prayed Lord give me the words not just the words but the words in Portuguese to say to this man to help him come back and I said Paulo I said what do the astronauts do when they're out in space and they have an argument he goes what do you mean I said what do they do I said do they get out of the spaceship he said, well, no, they've got to work it out. I said, yep. I said, what do Christians do in the kingdom? He goes, we'll see you Sunday. You see, we've got to have unity and the bond of peace. Memorial is doing great. I think it's hard to know because we're all spread out right now. But the body of Christ has got to do better than what the body of Christ has done. Because we are the body of Christ. So we've got to know each other and love each other. I think about a, sten a statement that Brennan Manning made. He's a man who writes many spiritual books. He said, Jesus comes not for the super spiritual, but for the wobbly and the weak need who know they don't have it all together. 
and who are not too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. If you have it all together, this is not the place for you. Because you don't need a Savior. But if you recognize that you don't have it all together, this is the place. Because this is where Jesus saves people. It's where he gives us hope. And he gives us salvation. And he gives us freedom. And he gives us tomorrow. And he gives us an eternity. That there is nothing that can kill what Jesus gives us. COVID cannot kill what Jesus gives us. Abuse cannot kill what Jesus has given us. Racism cannot kill. Politics can't kill. Whatever it is, it cannot kill what Jesus has given us. Unless we walk away from it. My question for us this morning is, will I unite? Will I unite? Now understand when we unite, that does not mean that we always have the same opinion. Sometimes we're going to have different opinions. And praise God for places where we can talk things out and disagree and go back and forth and have enough trust between each other that we can disagree. Even sometimes agreeing to disagree. There was a political issue back a year or two or three, probably a year or two ago, that excuse me, Barbara and I see very differently on. I'm not going to tell you what it is because then you'll all get excited, okay? But we see it differently. Not, it's not black and white, completely total opposites, but we see it differently. And it was on TV all the time. And it seemed like for those months, we talked about it every single day. I mean, every day. And sometimes it was a little bit passionate. It was, it, was never, it was never mean or hateful or anything like that. But we'd go back and forth on this issue. I was very disappointed in my debate skills that I never convinced her that I was right. I mean, I laid it out. She never got it. But let me also tell you this. I never got what she is trying to say because I know she was wrong. Still know it. But you know why we could have that conversation? Because we have a marriage built on a commitment that we are not giving up on. And that if we do disagree, we disagree, but we will find a way to unite, even in the disagreement. We are married to Christ. And in a sense, being one body, we are a body united together, married together. And so we must have a commitment to hear people who, see, who have different ideas than we do. And to say, but we are still united, even though we disagree. Let me tell you about the greatest unity that can come. That's the unity that comes when we come into Christ. It's a beautiful passage in Romans chapter 6. It's not on your screen, but a beautiful passage in Romans 6. When Paul says to these people who had been baptized, he, said, he, he, he says to them, he says, he says, do you not remember why you were baptized, basically? He says, 
you know, are you sinning so that grace may abound, so there'll be more of it? He said, don't you remember whenever you were baptized into Christ that you were buried into Christ and that you came up with Christ? You know what was happening when you're buried with Christ? You come up with Christ, you're being united with Christ. That's what he says, Romans 6. Now that's unity, to be in Christ. And some of us, we, some of our fears may be because we are not in Christ or we're not baptized into Christ. And so fears of this world and things we see happening around us, maybe that's what makes us even more fearful. Because we haven't been buried into Christ and raised with Christ and believed Christ when he said that he saved us. And you can do that today. You can be baptized today. We will find a way to do that. People are being baptized even during COVID. And if you need prayer requests, we tell people to send their, your messages to elders at mcoc.org or you can tell me or an elder who's here today, but at elders at mcoc.org or you can write in for those of you watching this morning, which obviously is the largest audience. But we want to be united with each other and united with Christ. Let's pray and then we'll have our song. Dear God, we love you. We are well aware, Father, of our shortcomings. And Father, if we are not aware in those things that we don't see, Father, help us to overcome those things too. We need you. Father, thank you for the unity that you've given us. Thank you for Memorial, Memorial Church of Christ. Thank you, Father, for the unity that's here. It's wonderful. It's been here for all these years, Father. Thank you. Father, what we pray is that the world may know that your son, Jesus, is our Savior and the one we follow, that they will see our unity, that we will not be taken in by the world's schemes, but instead that we will be an influence on the world that it may change. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.